Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. ...that we're doing called My Soul to Keep. And we've been spending some time these last several weeks looking at deep within our souls to examine, discover, and really promote really health, having a healthy soul. I love what Tyler said last week when he spoke on the lonely soul. He said, you have a body, but, but you are a soul. Who you are, truly who you are is right here. It's, it's, it's inside of you. And only you, only you are, are the one that, that solely is responsible for your soul to care for it. Because when you don't, when you neglect it and not care for it, you and I, we are in jeopardy of losing it very souls. Jesus said this, what does it profit a man? What does it profit a woman or anyone to, to go after all that life offers, to try to be successful and to grow it as a family and to accomplish this and go after this and be involved with this and do everything and all that you can and at the end of it, forfeit, lose your own soul. Is it worth it? No, not at all. And that's why it's so important for us to take some time to look at this today. So if you haven't been around for a few weeks, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. Tyler did a fantastic job talking about the lonely soul last week. Also in your program, there's some notes that you can follow along, take some notes. This is what I found that successful people do. Successful people take notes and successful people are in the first couple rows of everything I've learned, I've learned in life. The first couple rows are successful people, future successful people. I don't just, just statistically, it's not going to, going to class, uh, sitting in a, in a work uh, meeting. Everybody that is successful sits in the front row. And so guys, we're counting on you, okay, for the future here uh, for this. So way to, way to lead here, example. Also, there's, an, there's, a, there's a small group guide that you can follow along and to get God's word, not just listen on Sunday morning, but get it in your heart through your small group. You get to talk about the passage that we're talking about today. It's really awesome. Our, our small group does that. So we're wrapping up today this series, The Blessed Soul, The Blessed Soul. Now, you, you've used this and, and you know, Christians, Christians say this and even non-Christians say this. So people say, uh, God bless you. People say that all the time. Hey, God bless you. You write in a, a, a birthday card or you put it on a text message, or you, you communicate in some way, uh, God bless you. And, and people do this all the time. And, and Christian people say this, and non-Christian people say this. People that don't even believe in God say, God bless you, because you ever sneezed and, and someone goes, God bless you. I'm like, I didn't know you even believed in God. That's awesome. Well, they don't, they just say it. Just, we, we say those kind of things, right? And somehow it's like superstition or whatever. We won't get into that. But we, we use that term all the time. And now if you're from the South, people say this, they say, um, bless, bless her heart. Have you heard that? People from the South, bless, bless his heart. Now I love that you might've heard this before. Henry Cho, he's a comedian. He, he says, bless your heart actually means you're an idiot. And have you heard this before? Like, you know, did you hear about Jim Bob? You know, he tripped on his dog while he was hunting and shot himself in the foot. Bless his heart, right? What we're saying, he's an idiot, okay? So <laughs> the true blessing actually is, is more than trying to say something nice when you don't know what to say. 
It's much more than that. In fact, scripture warns us of this. It, James says this, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. And one of you says to him, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? What good is it? And we, we come faced with that all the time. Even today, I had an opportunity. I'm hoping to help someone after the service today because I'm not going to say, God bless you. Hope to help you. Hey, we want to help you get down the next step and the next leg of the race of life. How can we help? Because the reality is, if we just kind of say it, it's like saying good luck. Hope it works out for you, right? True blessing someone is so, someone is so much more. All through scripture, the Bible talks about how we can be blessed, and it does also talk about cursings. Blessings and cursings are themes all through the Old Testament. And it's very simple as this. When a person was was obedient to God, God brought a blessing in their life. When there was disobedience of the, the people of Israel, there was cursings. And we see that all the time. We see people that in our lives, they're like, how come they just live a cursed life, it seems like? Is there a level of disobedience? Is there a level of blessing? There, there's a connection there. And God makes it very clear throughout the history of the Old Testament. But here's the thing about all of it is the greatest curse that affected our planet is sin. You know, man bit into the forbidden fruit and it literally brought, brought all hell broke loose in our world. You know that for when we, when we turn on the news this week. We know what that's like. We live in this sinful, broken world. And as much as men and women over the history have tried to appease God, it was never enough to, uh, to take care of the sins, to appease man's sin. Only one could do that. Only Jesus could do that. The Bible says about blessings and cursings is that, that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs or hung on a tree. Basically, what he's saying is that Jesus is the one that broke the power of sin, the curse control of sin, that we no longer have to be under that control. No longer that we have to be slaves to sin as followers of Jesus. And yet, though, it's important to know, we still live in a lost and broken, hurting world as we've experienced this, this week. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have to be under that control. It's sin no, is no longer your, your master. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to think about it and realize this, it, that you are forgiven, that you're free from the dominion and the power of darkness. Satan has no control. His, claw, his dirty paws are not on you. You belong to Jesus. You're united with your heavenly father. You have the very spirit of God now that dwells in you to empower you, to give you strength and to give you wisdom and to give you encouragement. You have the fruit. You get to exhibit the fruit of the spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness and self-control. All these are part of it. And then on top of that, you know what you get as a bonus? Heaven. At the end of it all, we get to experience your apologies to have heaven and, and, and for all eternity. Wow, have you thought about that lately? And yet, let's just face it, we can be excited about that coming, coming, coming on Sunday, and then, but Monday morning rolls around and you wake up and you're like, you're looking in the mirror and you're like, I don't really feel blessed right now. It's just too early for that. And we, we take for granted, don't we? 
all that God has for us. And I think a lot of it has to do that we don't just, well, I'll chipper that we're a blessed soul is because we live in this fallen, broken world. When, we, when you turn on the news and you see worst massacre in modern day U.S. history, okay, there is something wrong. There's something desperately, desperately wrong where we're at. Life is so not perfect, and even as followers of Jesus. See, blessing, blessing doesn't mean that we escape problems and pain and crisis and heartbreak. But yet, we need to realize all that goes on around us is really external factors. We have a choice, in fact, in all of it. It has everything to do with our attitude. I love the last words of, of Moses' life. Just prior to the people entering the promised land, and I want you to picture with me, high on the rock, a mountain, hundreds of thousands of people. Moses looking at, this is like his last sermon of his life. This is like parting words before he dies. And he says this, he says, that This day I call heaven, heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, Blessings and cursings. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. You and I are faced with a choice every single day. You know what that choice is? Well, you know what choice we have? It's life. You choose life. You and I choose that life. And we choose it in our actions, in our attitude, and we choose it with our words. And blessing others, is, it's, it's more than just saying, God bless you. What we're actually doing with blessing comes this. It's posturing our souls toward another person. That we choose to posture our souls toward another person. And what's so amazing about it is God created us to, to bless and be blessed. In fact, science has even proven that we're hardwired to do such a thing. God created us. Wait, science has even shown it. That each of us, there's a kind of type of mirror neur neuron. Basically, what happens when you're close to someone and they're doing something, you in, in some ways vicariously live through them when you're, when you're, when you're bonded with them. Parents, we, we do this. We're guilty of this. When we see our, our kid out on the ball field and, 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 or in, you know, on stage, we're just, there's something that fills within us. Our identity is so connected with it. And so us parents are horrible bleacher people, aren't we? Like, we just like, I can't believe, you know, my kid, you know, I can't believe you put that call on. And you're, you know, we live and then we celebrate the highs and the lows. And it has everything to do with like these mirror neurons because they're a part of us. And there's a connection with us, to, with, with them. And so when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, that's what that really is. There's this connection. There's this bond. We're really wanting to impart our wills and our, our wishes upon another person. That's really what it means to be to bless. Blessing is a projection of good into the life of another person. I'm not just saying, God bless you, but you're willing God's blessing upon their life. Now, the opposite, as much as that's wonderful, the opposite is it that we can curse people. You're, you're kind of like, man, I, you mean like swear, like cuss people out? No, I'm not talking about cussing. I'm not talking about like a Harry Potter hex over, you know, somebody. I'm not talking about voodoo as much as that, that, that has out there, there's weird stuff that goes on out there. Now I'm talking about little, something a little bit more subtle. I'm talking about the fact in our lives is that we, let's say we don't, we don't, you know, want someone to like, you know, live a bad life or die or anything like that. I mean, I, I hope that's not been for you, but there's probably been times people struggle with that. But the reality is 
cursing really has everything to do with having a total disdain for another person. It's having a total disdain for their well-being. And, and so cursings can be really subtle. And they're very subtle, especially the people that you're close to that know you the most and you know them. Cursings can somewhat be in a raising of an eyebrow or rolling of an eyes. I've seen it where husbands curse their wives in the tiniest little sarcasm where they say, honey, you know, you know I love you. And with that comes contempt. It comes disrespect. It comes devaluing of a human being. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Well, we live in this sinful, cursed world, and there's this battle that goes on all the time. Even though as followers of Jesus, we're, we're under not the dominion of darkness, but under Christ, we still live in this struggle is there, and we're all guilty of it. The people we live with, we work with, and we don't mean to do it, but we do it. And that's why James gives us stern words. May these just be, okay? Because here you are. This is, this is you and I right here. It says this, when, when the tongue, with the tongue, we praise our, our Lord and Father. We, we did that today. Some of you opened your mouth. That's way to go. You sang today. Wow, that's great. That's a good thing because we're, we're praising God with our lips. It's a wonderful thing that we do. But then he says this, we do this and we're, with praise our love and Father. And with it, we curse human beings. Who has been made in the image or in the likeness, God's likeness? Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. But we do it, don't we? We do it. In the most subtle ways we can find ourselves, we do it. We cut down people with our words and how we treat them and how we devalue them and, and how people maybe live life and process life different, differently. We bring judgment upon them. We do it. Now, why do we do that? A ton of reasons. A ton of reasons. Well, deep down, it's, it's a soul issue. It's times when our, our soul is jealous. We wish we had what others have. And when, when someone has something you don't have, what we do is we try to bring them down to our level. We try to, we try to uh, make ourselves you know, because of insecurity that can come, put others down so and downplay their successes so that we can be more successful. We look better. We, we do this. We can do it subtly. But at the end of the day, it's really just selfishness that we can push aside other people's needs for our own. And we can find ourselves actually living a life that's more cursing than blessing. And on top of that, here's the kicker with all of it, is there's people come along that don't like us. There's people along. I don't know if it's personality, chemistry, or what, but we just rub each other wrong. There's not, there's, there, this is, it's not iron, sharp, and iron. There's like ma massive sparks, and we're not getting along. And you have relationships, I have relationships where there was a season, it did not work out. It was a problem. It was an issue, and life goes on. And you might be in who you are, go, they're not my enemy, but I'm sure they're in, I'm their enemy. And it just happened that way. And Jesus comes along and says, what, what do we, you know, we go, what do we do with that? And Jesus says this. He says, not just love people that love us. He says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. What? Really? It's easy to love people that love you, but to do that? I don't know how that works. How do I do that? Here's a question for you. Do you struggle blessing others? At the end of the day, do you struggle? You, you and I go, do we struggle? We're like, yeah, we really do struggle. It's easy to bless people that bless us, but are we blessing people that don't really, you know, 
or not, like, you don't have them on your, like, you know, list on your phone as favorites on your, you know what I'm saying? Those people are not there. They're not, like, you don't follow them on Facebook. They definitely don't have, um, you know, you don't have their picture on your fridge or anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's people there. How do we do that? Well, at the end of the day, whether it's people that, that, that we love and we want to bless or people that we're challenged with that we don't want to curse, is this. It, I want to give it you know, one simple word to help us today, just to make it really, really simple, and then we're going to unpack it. And the word is gratitude. At the end of the day, and you could say it like this, that gratitude, it, it, it realigns our perspective that when we realize how good we got it, we can't help but bless others. Gratitude. Let me read again. Realigns our perspective that when we realize how good we got it, we can't help. It just comes out of us. It just we can't help automatically. We 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 want to bless others. And I've I've met people, all kinds of people, all these years as pastor. And I've known this. There's one commonality about people: that people that are gracious are giving people. I've never met a person that's gracious and not giving. I never met any gracious, greedy people. There's a connection between graciousness and generosity. Grateful people can't help but give. These are blessed people by who they are that they can't help to pour out a blessing because they realize they do not deserve any of it. Everything they have in life has been a gift to them. And can I challenge us with this? It has nothing to do with wealth whatsoever. I've been in third world countries and I've been with groups and teams and and where people gave such generously, like sacrifice them their whole week's pay to feed our group. And they, they do it without a hint of, look what we've done and look what we've accomplished. All we, they love it. They give in such a way and a blessing. And they're, they're the happiest people I've ever met. And they have nothing. But they're so blessed by the graciousness and the grace of God in their life. They can't help but do that. Unfortunately, that's not common, is it? Especially in our very greedy, competitive world. It is rare. And can I challenge us? I could try to challenge the people out there. They probably care diddly of what I'm saying this morning, but you're in this room, so I want to challenge us as a church that it's rare as well. That it's rare. But what happens if we become the most gracious group of people to bless this community? What would that look like? Can we be challenged by that? Now, a wonderful example in Scripture that I think is great, and I, that's why, you know, what I want to say is I want to bring this up, get the heart and the soul of what it really means to have a blessed, a blessed life and a blessed soul is really what Jesus does for a, a person. And it's not even just what Jesus does. Jesus does what Jesus does because he's good at what he does, but it's how is the reaction of this one soul that was incredibly blessed and recognized the blessing they had that changed everything. It's found in Luke chapter 17, in verse, starting in verse 11. It says this, you can follow along together. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, Show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, 
we're not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Like the healing of this leper, Jesus performed so many different miracles in the gospels and he never did it one way. Jesus would heal people in all kinds of different situations, you know, really depending upon the circumstances there. He would, he would speak to them and, and they were healed. He would touch them. Uh, people would touch him. They would touch his clothes and they were, they were healed. One time, and I don't know exactly why he chose to do this, but he reached down some dirt and spit in it and threw it in a guy's eye and then told him to go wash his eyes out. I'm like, that's odd, Jesus. That's the kind of thing. We don't have any mud up here today. Thank God some of you are like, that's how we're going to pray for you. Okay, that's a little different, right? Jesus did it in different ways because of the circumstances going on. And I have a feeling it's no different for these guys. But why did he do that? Why did he, why did he just touch them rather than the scripture says, as they went? Why did he do that? You thought about it? Well, maybe he didn't want to touch them. I mean, the leprosy, right? It's highly contagious. You touch it. Your skin, basically, your leprosy, your body parts fall off, right? You know, you don't want that. That's a bummer. So no, Jesus healed people with, you know, that had leprosy by touching them. That wasn't the issue. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, you know, as you think about why, Jesus, why did you do it that way? I wonder if it had to do with the motive of the lepers. Because maybe, maybe it might not be about them getting healed, Maybe it had a lot to do with believing the one that healed him. Because it's interesting how this story plays out. And what we find is this is the one that believed there was one that did. There's one that came and returned thanks and gratitude. In verse 15, 16 says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice and he threw himself at, at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now you ever thought about whatever happened to the other nine? There's only one that came back. You ever thought about that? Like, what would be some excuses for them to go, not go back and thank for the healing that they had? I mean, to be healed like, you know, your body. Now, I don't know if, like, they lost a finger and the finger grew back. I don't know how the healing of the leprosy happened, right? We don't know. One day we'll find out. But these guys were healed. And, and only one of them came back. Maybe one of them was, was you know, it was busyness. They got caught up. And were, well, I wanted to go back, but I couldn't. You know, I got busy. I mean, you know, life happens. Maybe it's skepticism. Did Jesus really heal you? I mean, he said it, and then we're walking along. And like, Bill, did you feel anything when he said that? I mean, what, what really took place? Maybe, maybe they don't really even believe, right? Maybe it's just plain stupidity. Like, I had no idea what happened. Well, bless your heart. You're an idiot. You got Jesus touching. You don't realize that he healed you? Maybe it's selfishness. So caught up in you that don't even worry about it. Didn't even go, oh, I'm moving on to the next thing. Whatever excuse, we can really get on these guys for what they did, but they did this. They, they failed to realize, the nine out of the ten failed to realize God's goodness and grace that was poured on them that day. Here's the, here's the question is for you. What excuses have you had not giving thanks to God for how he's blessed your life? If you look back in your week, if you look back in your life, in this season, have you done the same? Have you done the same? Jesus is wondering the same to these guys. that He says, we're not all the 10 clans. Where are the other nine? Was not one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? He makes a point here. That's this, is that even 
even church people take God for granted. These other guys, these other nine, whatever, they were, they were Jewish people. They're people that, that were steeped in believing in God, and, and they were the promised people. They were the entitled people, and that was the issue. They were probably so caught up in that they deserve what they got, they didn't even give God credit back for it. And yet, this foreigner, this outsider, this Samaritan, who is not like the, the religious, is the one that's filled with graciousness. And it's sad sometimes that people that don't even believe in God and go to church can give God more credit than, than the people that are involved in church and, and, and take, we take God for granted, don't we? We easily can do that. Jesus, to this man, he says to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. God, Christ honored this guy, but he was just the one. He was just the one to come back. Now we can judge these other nine, but I think for all of us, we can be guilty of the times where we've cried out to God. We say, God, I need healing. God, I need you to restore my marriage. God, I need you to take care of my kids. God, I, I don't know how we're going to make it financially. I don't know how this is going to happen. We pray, we pray, we pray, we pray. And then over time, we don't realize it, but that God answered our prayer. See, what I think a lot of times we get caught up in is this, is that the reason we don't go back and give God credit is because we get caught up a little bit on on thinking about that our prayers need to be answered in his timing and according to the way he's going to do that. Have you found out and realized that God doesn't work on demand? As much as when you push your remote on TV and it pulls up and you get exactly what you want up to the minute at the second, and you can stop and play and stop and do that. You could go to the bathroom, come back, it's still there. Many times I think we equate God that way. God, I need you to work this way. God goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, yeah, I'm God. <laughs> I, I want to help you to understand that I'm going to do it the way I'm going to do it and the timing I'm going to do it. Right? And so I've learned and I have failed to go back and think, God, you did really, you did really answer my prayer. You really did accomplish that. And we're all guilty of it because it wasn't the way, exactly the way we wanted it. I wonder if that'd be the case here. This one. This one guy came back and God blessed him. Jesus blessed him in such an incredible way because of heart, because of heart of gratitude. Now, what would happen if you and I were the one? What are you and I today? We take the challenge to be the one. So the question I have for you, are you willing to be the one? Are you willing to be the one? Now, could you be a fair and I think the people next to you need this because you're listening to me and there's people that are not listening to me right now. Could you turn to the person next to you and say, ask, really ask this question, are you willing to be the one? Could you do that? Are you willing to be the one? They just woke up. They're going, where am I? I mean, you're in church, okay? Are you willing to be the one? So here's the thing. If, if listen, listen, if you guys are willing, if you guys are willing to be the one, let me give you some help to be the one. You and I, if we say today, could we be the one? Could we be the nine out of the 10? Could we be the 10 percenter? Could we be the one? And you could put this in your notes as first as this. God's blessing deserves our deepest gratitude. If you want to be the one, we need to realize God's blessing deserves our deepest gratitude. See, it was the one that returned, that left the group, that left out of the, the and again, we can get caught up in culture sometimes where you're the only one. You're the only one. You're like, I want to pursue God. I want to pursue what you have, Jesus. I want to, I want to thank you. I want to, I, want to, I want to live a life of gratitude. And yet it's so foreign in our, in our world, in our culture, isn't it? 
It's so foreign in our world that complains and moans and, and it just, they, 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 it, they, it's such a minority that's there. And I would say this, as, as much as even we can forget what God's done, we also can forget what God has done through the people that have helped us along in life. It's, it, we, we find that was kind of at time. I remember when I was a kid, my mom, she was, uh, she, I was the only child. And so, you know, she, she loved to cook for me. Uh, but here's the key to the whole thing. I mean, she would love to make what I want and all that. Danny, what do you want? And she's in heaven now. And she, I think she's good for me to say this. She wasn't a very good cook. Okay. Now, the reason how to do it, she got diabetes in 52. And so then, like, I'm a teenager. And so then she, like, you know, when there's not sugar and there's not, there's not like, salt in food, uh, can be a lot to do with that. And, and so one day, my mom, she made something. Here it is, Danny. Here you go. And she's, how, do you like it? And I said, ah, it'll do. Oh, yeah. Well, here's what happened. So I come home, and, and, and there's, like, at dinner time, and it's, the kitchen's dark. There's nothing cooking. So... That's what I had to do. I had to get like a pan and put water in it and boil it. And then I had to open this package. It's like this sponge. Have you seen these before? And they're like, like these noodle sponge thing. And you drop that in. And then you take this little packet. You got to tear open. And then you drop, you drop that in there. And you get it going a little bit. You know what I'm talking about. Have you had this Top Ramen? Okay. So that's what I learned, okay, along the way. Do never, ever, ever, ever take your mom for granted, okay? We can, we can take God for granted all the time, can't we? He blesses us so much. And I think what happens is we get caught up in a, a sense of entitlement. Entitlement is a very American thing to do, isn't it? We call it the Bill of Rights, but we take it as a license to do whatever we want when we want to do it. And I find over and over when I, I, it's, I funny and sad in the same way, when people try to justify their immoral and even unwise choices, they say things like this to me, like, they're, they're, like, I'm, they're going down this road, I'm like, why are you doing that? They're like, don't I have, don't I have the right to be happy? I'm like, and, and you know, I thought about, you know, as a follower of Jesus, nope, nope. It's a very American thing to say, but it's not very Christian. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to realize this. You are not your own. You were bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so what do you deserve? What do you really deserve? Nothing. Zero. If you're Canadian, zilch. Okay? In fact, what you really deserve is, you know, tell. That's what we deserve. Because of the precious, amazing grace of God, Jesus came, died for our sins, broke that curse over us, so we can have a relationship with him. And so we are to enter the life of, of following Jesus as to serve, not to be served. And, but when we do, when we experience this, there's a residual. And there is a blessing that comes. There's love and there's peace and there's greater purpose in our life. Moving from a life of, of, of greed to giving. But we have this attitude of graciousness that we were to lose our life of selfishness and of entitlement that we're going to gain a blessing that's there. And we got to put it all in perspective. We got to put it all in perspective of the gracious work of Christ and what he's done. I, I love John 3, 16. And maybe you've never read the Amplified Version. Can I just encourage you of what we really got and what we really received here? It says this, for God so loved the 
loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave us his only begotten unique son so that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him shall not perish, come to destruction, be lost, but have eternal everlasting life. You know, what's interesting is when we come to that sense of gratitude and graciousness for Jesus, that's a game changer. We realize all in perspective, all that we gain is that one day we're going to be in heaven and everything else is going to be a bonus. Someone said this, God's highest gift should awaken man's deepest gratitude. And that's what it means to be the one. Not everybody's the one. There's only a few, but are you willing to be the one? See, if you desire to be the one, let's be reminded of this, that a grateful heart enjoys blessing twice when they're received and when they are remembered. Eight years ago, I, uh, well, up to eight years, up to this point, I've been in an office. And as some of you know, we're, we're selling the property that we own. If you could be praying like the deal's kind of falling through right now, so be praying about that. But we're trying to relocate our offices and, and all that we're doing. Um, and so to help us move on and what we do need to accomplish. And in eight years, I've had this office. And I've got this file. And I've had it for now 25 years of like, cards and letters and what people have given me. And I was a youth pastor for close to 15 years. A lot of them are like students now that are, some of you are like, you know, now kids and married and everything. And, and, and what I found in these notes is really great because um, when I was a youth pastor, they were all punk kids, okay? And they were not really all appreciative of what, you know, our team and everybody did for them. And, and so they would write letters later. I would get notes later that would say, hey, I was a punk jerk as a teenager, but I want you to know I wasn't appreciative of you. I'm appreciative of you now. And these are like gold. You hang on to these things because when you're all sad and lonely and everything, you open these up. And I haven't done it too much. But what was beautiful about it is I, I received those letters many years ago. And then the other day, I opened the file and all of them are there. And I, read, I started reading some of them. I was blessed twice. It's really kind of what happened with this guy here is he not only received what he received and was grateful for what he received and the healing he had, but he continued, he went back to Jesus and thanked him for what he'd done. And so Jesus comes along and blesses him. He says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. The one dude is the only one that got that. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that a blessing that we receive is not just a one-time thanks to God. It's living a life of thanksgiving. It's living a life of gratitude. It's living this life on a daily basis, an ongoing basis, that the blessing continues to go. The gift keeps on giving. And it gives, and it gives, and it gives when we live in a life of gratitude. And we're the one. We're the one to thank God, not just with our lips on a Sunday morning, but with our lifestyle. Finally, to be the one to know this is this. Our gratitude toward God creates an overflow to bless others. I really believe this dude, once he received that blessing from, from, from Jesus, he probably couldn't help but to go and tell everybody about it, okay? You know, when he walked into his town and they go, Bill, you actually got fingers now. You're, you're like, body's not falling apart. What happened? I mean, leprosy's dramatic. Let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you, there's 10 of us walking around, you know, and, and we, you haven't seen me for a while because I was in that leper colony and now I'm back. I can't believe that's you. Yeah, we were healed, but it was, I had to go back. I had to go back and thank Jesus 
Who's Jesus? Well, let me tell you who Jesus is, what he did for my life. Let me tell you my story of healing and recovery so that I can, I can encourage you as well. I tell you, that guy, he probably spoke it over and over and over again of the gracious work of Jesus on an ongoing basis. I love how the Apostle Paul, who suffered also greatly and was so grateful for God's grace, he says this to us as a challenge. He says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever in small and big ways, what matters most that you would give credit to God and thank him in all your circumstances, everything that you're going through, that this life of gratitude, not just in a compliment to Jesus, but living this lifestyle. And it's you and I, the challenge is to live this out. Now, the key to actually live as a blessing of others has everything to do with gratitude. Gratitude, listen, it realigns our perspective that when we realize how good we've got it, we can't help. We can't help it. It comes automatic. It flows out of us. We can't help but to bless others because we know what it feels like, what we don't deserve, how we're blessed to do that. I'd like our team to come as we wrap up and we pray. So I'm going to challenge you with the question, can you be the one? Can you and I, can we be the one this week to bless? Can we? Could we do it? Here's the thing with being the one. You might be the only one. You might be the only one. Of all your friends at school, you might be the only one. Are you willing to be the minority? Front row? You willing to be the minority? Back row? You willing to be the one at work? Are you being the one that when everything's negative and bashing this and bashing that and blame, are you being the one to live a life of gratitude? You say, man, I, I'm just so blessed what God has done in my life. Really? How can you be that way? And all the, I just, let me tell you, and to be that one, to be that one in your family. The bills show up and this happens and all the things that got going and you can live in this negativity. What if, we're, what if they're one? What if this, this group of people and the people that are gathered the first service, what if we together could be this gracious community that reaches out to community? What would happen? We can, see, we can do that with our words. Can I encourage you? Don't just say God bless to somebody as much as that. Put some, put some teeth to it. Put some meat on it, okay? Say specifically how you want them to be blessed. Reach out to them in such a way. Appreciate them. Give, them. give them compliments. Affirm them in who they are specifically that they go, oh, wow, you know me. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe there's an opportunity for you to pray for somebody this week. And we do that all the time. We, it's, that's how we say, God bless you. Hey, I'll be praying for you. What if you actually said, say you're going to pray for them, you pray for them in that moment. You're like, uh, we're in the produce aisle at the grocery store. This is a little awkward. Let it be. Who cares? If you're living a grateful life and you're appreciative, you don't have to make a big, high and mighty prayer to say, hey, can I pray with you right now? This last week or so, I had a couple different opportunities. I prayed with people on Facebook. They reached out to me. I'm really in need. I'm really needing help. And, and I said, hey, uh, let me pray for you. And I put a prayer in the, in the Facebook message. This is the way I can reach out to them. Whatever you can do, do that. But it's going to have you step out of yourself. It's going to cause some sacrifice. It's going to have you be stretched in such a way to actually do it. But what if we did it because of all that God's done for us? What if we realized that all the blessing, all that we receive, the, the graciousness of, of Jesus upon our life, that we don't get, uh, we, we receive something we don't deserve. We should have got what we do deserve. It's hell. We deserve nothing. 
But we receive so much that we can now, as we receive, we can be a a blessing to others. What would happen to this community? It would change everything. It would change everything. I want to leave you with a blessing today. And as I read this blessing, you're going, hmm, that sounds familiar. I remember like my grandpa's church doing that or whatever. It's not, it doesn't come from a tradition. If you've heard this prayer before, this prayer blessing, it actually comes straight from scripture. That I want to give you today, not only to pray a legitimate blessing upon you today as we close, but it's something you can take as a tool and go bless your family. Go bless your marriage. Go bless your workplace. Bless your small group with. It comes from Deuteronomy. And as we go through this, I'm going to give an explanation each one so you know what it means. So when you do this, it's not just words. This is something you can speak over your spouse, speak over your family, your small group, the people you do life with and meet this week. It goes like this. The Lord bless you. That literally means may the Lord constantly bring good in your life. That's what you're doing. You're asking the goodness of God to be poured out in a person's life. The Lord keep you. That really is about protection to what is precious and sacred about you. That the Lord may have, make his face shine upon you. It's kind of like a, a grandparent doting over their, their grandchild and that grandchild beaming with, with this appreciation and, and a- affirmation. That's what, that's what that means. God's glory shining upon you. The Lord lift his countenance toward you. Literally asking God to turn his face toward you. His very power and his presence to be in your life. That he's fully attentive of your needs that you have. And that finally that he give you peace. Oh, there's a week that we need peace in our world. Peace of God to them. So I invite you to close your eyes. And I want to pray this blessing again upon you. A blessing that would give speak of value and worth and significance to each one of us here. So Lord, we pray the Lord would bless you and keep you. Pray the Lord may make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In Jesus' name.